It's time for the All Things Strange podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can check out all of our wonderful links in the description on the link tree where you can find a link to join our Discord server where you can listen to live shows and interact with the hosts. We also have a merchandise store, a Facebook page, and all kinds of great stuff. This week's episode, the Stephenville UFO Flap of 2008. 2009? I don't know. 2008. No, it was 2000. It was January 2008. Yeah, but there were sightings throughout, uh, starting in 2007, actually, yes. all through 2009, all over the place. But we're going to focus mostly on the ones from January 8th, 2008. Before we get started, I just have to mention that this topic was voted upon by our Patreon subscribers. If you join at the lowest level, you can get uh, early access. And after hours, the medium level gets you bonus episodes. And at the top level, you can vote on upcoming topics. And this one is what they chose. All right. Well, let's get to it. Stephenville. Yeah, this is a very interesting one because like uh, Agent Anderson had mentioned, this isn't just a one-off event. There's been a lot of events in this uh, this area, Stephenville and, and the surrounding areas in Texas, where you have a lot of people describing the same thing, basically. You know, bright lights that were, you know, metallic or, uh, you know, were very extremely bright, hard to look at. And uh, what they describe is, is uh, and it goes back not just like the previous year, it goes back many years. I see. I saw a lot of testimony from people around this area. They were describing basically the same thing, and um, it, this is not a one-off thing. It sounds like like uh, if this is a uh, you know a UFO, what have you? This UFO must be like stationed in this area or something like that because it's been going on for quite some time. Yeah, and when they say that the lights were bright, they describe them as an arc from a welder. That's yeah, bright. That's extremely bright. That's that'll, like that'll burn your retina. Yeah, like it doesn't just hurt to look at; it will cause eye damage. That's extreme. I've never seen anything that bright in the sky. That's insane. Lee, I've, I've definitely seen it on the welding table before. Yeah, but not in the sky. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be looking at that stuff, dude. It even looks bright through it, like welding goggles. You know, mm. it's crazy. But all right, this is an event, more or less, that January eighth, two thousand and eight. Hundreds of witnesses, probably more, because as we've discussed on the show before, when you have some witnesses coming forward, there are almost certainly more witnesses that are afraid to come forward. And some of the witnesses are anonymous for this one because, you know, they face ridicule as the case, you know, as it goes in these cases. But in general, the witnesses saw a large object hovering and moving slowly or very quickly in the evening sky. So they would see it moving slowly, maybe drifting, or some of them saw it shooting across the sky or hovering slowly and then leaving very quickly. There's all sorts of different sightings. And in general, it's believed that there were two different objects causing these sightings on January 8th. Let me check something here real quick. All right. Now, this has a little bit of a prequel that I found in 2007, Margie Galvez 
was losing chickens and ducks every night. She would wake up, go out to check on her livestock and find that they were gone. And once in a while, she might find just their beaks and nothing else floating in the water. Really? Just the beaks? Just the beaks. Like the, all the other flesh had been like dissolved or some, or just gotten rid of? There's no trace of it. It was just the beaks. That's crazy. That's the opposite. Nothing else. That's the opposite of the type of chickens I've heard that KFC uh, raises. Like they're, they're, they have no beaks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's right. They de-beak them because they're in such confined quarters that they end up like pecking each other to death. Yeah. Because it turns out chickens are savages. <laughs> oh, dude, they're, they're little freaking reptiles, man. Like they're they're like little like uh, raptors, you know? Yeah, yeah. So this event happened starting in November of two thousand and seven. She was losing so many that she decided to put up cameras on her property. The cameras didn't really find anything at first, but around Thanksgiving, she saw something strange. She was looking at her chickens, but she also saw some eyes in the video. And I I read a description of this and I'm like, oh shit, eyes. That's crazy, man. I'm getting chills. Was it like eyes off in the distance in the darkness? Like, like it was deer. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can see the silhouette of the deer. It's not, but I mean, I could see how, if you weren't paying attention, but yeah, you could, you could actually find this video, but yeah, it's just deer, unfortunately. But anyways, she saw, there were eyes in the video, I suppose, whether or not they were attached to a deer. But the interesting part is there's a cone of white light in the video coming from the top of the screen. And the light looks like it stops kind of in the mi- midair. It doesn't hit any object or anything to stop. It just sort of is there, right? Hmm. And I was not able to find the full video, but some descriptions say that the video, like the cone of light moved around like it was scanning for something and then it disappeared. I did not, I was not able to find that. I only found clips of it where it just showed the cone of light. Unfortunately, I couldn't see it moving around. Hmm. But the description is that it swung back and forth like a pendulum. Um I don't know. It's it's I a could, weird one. I could tell you something else that swings along around like a pendulum. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> you watch, were you watching Freddy Got Fingered last night? Yes. No, I had fallen asleep. <laughs> yeah. but I wish I would have. There's some pendulum swinging in that. Kind of. Well, especially when he's a farmer. <laughs> Look at me, Daddy. I'm Look a farmer. <laughs> Needless to say, Agent Grandpa. Well, he actually said Total Recall was a worse movie, which I sound I found surprising. So I was surprised how like uh, how positively he received Freddy Got Fingered. When yeah, he was talking about it, you know, it's uh, I, I would have expected him to be just completely disgusted. Yeah, know, he'd, absolutely he, flabbergasted. He didn't walk out, so that was surprising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's treasure. <laughs> look at look, we, we can live like kings. <laughs> and by the way, this is actually, uh, this episode is the first time uh, Agent Anderson and I have recorded an episode in the same room. In person. In person, dude. Live and direct. So if you're wondering why we sound, now we sound the same. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way to know. But it is convenient because probably um, I record to a master track, a little bit easier to edit, hopefully. We'll see. But I also record the multi-tracks as well. So just in case. All right, so anyways, Galvez saw the video, and she didn't show anybody because she didn't know what to make of it, didn't know what she was looking at, and didn't think anybody would take it seriously. 
It wasn't until the following year when the TV show The UFO Hunters went to investigate the Stephenville UFO and they put out like, you know, probably in the news or whatever, they were asking for witnesses and stuff. Mm. She showed them the video and they put it on their TV show and that was the first time it was seen publicly. That's the only place I was able to find the video. I don't think it's available anywhere else, like on YouTube or anything, just on that show. And they they edit the video and they show clips of the video, but they don't show it from beginning to end. And that's why I, it's hard. That's why I was unable to see it moving around. Yeah. Well, of course they're going to edit it. You know, I mean, that's just any show is going to be edited. So yeah, they have to. But to be fair on that show, a lot of the time that show they are uh, pretty reasonable. On the same episode, a different person gave them a video that they were actually able to recreate. Using It was basically like a, a ribbon of light, one of these good old light ribbons that you've seen before, and they were able to recreate it basically by setting their camcorder on night mode and shaking it around a lot. So, you know, mm. they're not one of these shows that necessarily believes everything they so they're So they're not Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, they're not Dan Aykroyd. That's they will sure. follow the evidence. And they, they do some testing, like on the episode, they put up some balloons and then had people at different vantage points, different witnesses, to see, you know, could everybody see this from this altitude with these distances and stuff? So it was pretty cool. They tested some stuff out. Um, I'm not sure that it necessarily proves anything or other, but it is interesting that they don't necessarily just say, oh, these people saw stuff. You know, they actually do debunk stuff sometimes. They don't just believe everything. Mm -hmm. So six months after the UFO Hunters episode aired, an anonymous witness came forward and said that they had seen the same thing, but... They had also seen the ship casting off the cone of light. The witness was was a woman, uh, anonymous woman, but she was driving a group of cheerleaders home from practice, and they saw a large flat craft with portholes and lights along the side. It was hovering above the railroad tracks outside of Stephenville. Now, because this is anonymous, we've got to take it with a grain of salt, but it's still interesting that somebody came forward after seeing it on TV. That's not unusual. Yeah. For witnesses, you know, once they see it on TV, they see these other people going public, they might feel a little more comfortable. Absolutely. Or they might also feel like they want to make up a story. You never well, know. And also, this case is a perfect example of that because initially, I mean, you had you had a pretty good amount of people coming out to say that they saw a similar thing or the same thing. And as it kind of like steamrolled on, um, you had more and more people. And eventually, you had hundreds of people that came out and said, you know, once there had been like plenty of credible people that had said the same thing that you know had experienced the same things witnessed the same thing then you had more and more people just day by day coming out and saying yeah i saw this you know so i think like sometimes in, in some of these uh these ufo cases these these uh these witnesses are are propelled to tell their own story you know because you, they see so many people coming out and they don't feel so alone anymore initially a lot of uh, people who would witness this kind of thing would be reluctant to to give you or give anybody their you know their statement because they, they don't want obviously the the main thing is they don't want to be seen as crazy they don't want to be alone in it either but once they see a bunch of other people come out and say something very similar as far as their experience they're much more likely to come out and tell their story you know yeah for sure and I think you're referencing MUFON went to do an investigation because yes. yeah. 2008, not that long ago, like we're talking about the internet age. We're talking about pretty much modern stuff here. Yeah. So MUFON, they went out there and they did their own investigation and they had that town hall 
where hundreds and hundreds of people showed up, some of them didn't even necessarily have a sighting, but they were just showing up kind of to see what happened. But there were hundreds of witnesses that showed up there. And somebody who, I forget exactly who, but somebody who did that meeting said that, yeah, there were people who showed up and left. So there might have been even more witnesses who weren't able to, either they got intimidated or they couldn't find a parking spot or who knows. Yeah. But it, it was a it was a pretty big event, and I, originally I think originally they were saying like when Mufon put on that uh, that little uh, thing there, they, they said they were expecting maybe thirty to forty people, something like that. But it ended yeah. up being like over like five hundred people. From what, I mean, I've heard a couple different estimates, but it was at least like three hundred to four hundred people. It might have been over five hundred, but yeah. And there is video of the event, and they rented out a pretty dinky little room. I think that room looked like maybe 50 people could sit in it comfortably. Yeah. And by dinky, I don't mean small, but I mean like dinky for 300 to 600 people. <laughs> but yeah, it was, a, it was a lot smaller than you might have expected. That's what she said. <laughs> but all right, let's get to the main event. January 8th, 2008. There's... You can find recreations of what they think happened, and there's some radar data and all that stuff. But let's just talk about some of the uh, more prominent witnesses. So one of the, probably the best known witness is a dude named Steve Allen. He saw a group of flashing lights at about 3,500 feet above his house. And it was a, he said it was a structured, rigid structured craft. The lights were white, red, and yellow, and they looked like it was in a rectangle shape. He said he saw the lights travel towards Stephenville at a rapid pace. Who knows, maybe 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 miles an hour. There's a lot of different, you know, depends on where you look. Well, wasn't he, wasn't, he, was, he was on a little, like, uh, not a camping trip, but he was out with two of his other buddies. Like uh, The previous winter had been very harsh. And this was like one of the first days where they had like like decent weather, so they decided to go out, have a couple of beers, and build a bonfire, and just kind of enjoy nature. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they they uh, they seen this light. He was the first one, from what I understand, all the interviews I saw, he was the first one to to notice the light. And like he just like was like, "What the hell is that?" He pointed at it like, "Hey guys, you see that too? Am I seeing shit? Like, am I hallucinating?" And then um, yeah, they 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 witnessed it for a certain period of time, and then. Uh, uh, he ended up going back to his house and, and telling his wife about it, right? And his wife had to call one of his other buddies to verify. I don't know why she didn't believe him, but <laughs> as as, as uh, he called his other buddy, uh, his other buddy had originally, like, taken off, like, uh, without even saying goodbye or anything like that. He's just like, nope, I'm good. Late, I'm out. Like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm not down with this shit. He didn't even say goodbye or nothing or, you know, have a good night, guys. And so uh, she called him uh, in order to uh, verify, you know, the story that she had been told. And as uh, he was still driving home, from what I understand, and um, he even said, they're coming back. Go out and look. They're coming back, you know. And, and like, uh, they, they walked out into their front yard and, you know, lo and behold, they, they saw the lights again, you know. Yeah. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Yeah. I don't blame the guy. You know? <laughs> no, not at all. So that's probably the most, he was, among other things, he was a pilot, which I think is why he's probably the most talked about witness. He knows about things in the sky and he estimated the size of the craft to be a mile long and a half mile wide. Now, the crazy thing about that is, let's say, so altitude, he doesn't know the exact altitude, even if he is a pilot. So the higher up the object is, 
the bigger it becomes, right? Because in order to appear a mile long at, let's say, I don't know, a 60,000 foot altitude, it's going to have to be a lot bigger than that. Yeah. But if it's like 100 feet off the ground, it could appear to be much larger than you think it is. So, but it doesn't really matter. Either which way, a mile long and half a mile wide is friggin' huge. Well, I think one thing we kind of passed over also um, was, is a very important point to to note there. Oh, yeah. Is as the vehicle was heading away from them, um, it also seemed to have been chased by two F, he claims F uh, 16s. Yeah, F 16s. And uh, he's a pilot. He said even himself, he's been to a lot of air shows and stuff. Um, He never piloted an F 16 or any jets or anything like that, but he was very familiar with the, the shape of that, that that craft, that that airplane or that jet plane. So he knew immediately what he was looking at, and uh, he even said that they had their afterburners on. They're, they're obviously that those jet planes were, and there was two of them. They're trying to follow this vehicle, you know, with every you know bit of effort that they could put towards it. They were trying to go as fast as they possibly could. And he also explained like the that it seemed like this vehicle was like kind of pacing them. And, and like uh, it could have gone much faster than it was going, but it was kind of like like uh, just like playing with them. It seemed, you know. Yeah, and that, yeah, that is a very important part of the story. We'll talk about the Air Force in a little bit because it gets pretty interesting. I have a quote here. He said, "I don't know if it was a biblical experience or somebody from a different universe or whatever, but it was definitely not from around these parts." Was definitely I can't real I don't know Texas is definitely not from around these parts. Is that a Texas? That's well, I don't Texas. think l- listening to those interviews, he he had a little bit of an accent, but not quite that thick. You know? <laughs> yeah, but didn't he also describe it as being like he felt a certain calm? Yeah, that he had never felt before or since. Yeah, yeah. He said he said like when he was observing the vehicle, especially when it was closest to them. He felt like this, this like a uh, like just calm that came came around him, and and like he almost felt like it was a a religious experience of some sort. Like he just he wasn't afraid of it. He knew it was like something very odd that he was experiencing, but he, it didn't like make him like a uh, super afraid or anything like that. Yeah, and I've heard that description or that experience in a handful of other cases. For example, the Phoenix Lights. Yeah, a lot of people reported something very similar. And, in, you know, even in some cases, completely forgetting about the sighting until afterwards, and they saw it on the TV and it jogged their memory, which I don't know how you could forget something like that, but that's what people said. We, okay, so we talked about the welder's torch bit. Oh, another one. Some of the witnesses said that the lights danced around each other in pairs and formed patterns in the sky as they moved through the skies. And some people reported that the lights were blinking in specific patterns, who knows what that means, but it could be maybe you, some people interpret that as maybe whatever it was, was trying to communicate in some way, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't find anybody who wrote down any specific pattern. So we have no idea what that would be and what it could communicate. So it just, you know, some of the witnesses reported it and that's pretty much all we have, have to go on. All right, there's another witness or group of witnesses, Mike Odom, Claudette Odom, and two of their friends. They were clearing some brush on top of a hill at the Odom's house just after 6 p.m. They had good visibility in all directions, and it was just starting to get dark, apparently. They saw an object approach from the west, and here's a quote from Claudette. I'd never seen anything that fast. 
maybe a rock or a missile or something. Which, you know, I don't know what kind of rocks they have in Texas. <laughs> yeah. But that don't make no sense. I'm guessing what she means is when somebody throws a rock, maybe when they throw it at you, it's like you don't really see it because it, tra- you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's just hard to see because it's traveling pretty fast. Maybe she meant that's what she meant. I'm guessing. I don't know. But either way, it went towards Stephenville and then stopped and hovered silently just outside of the town. The lights flickered and then went solid, shaping into a massive arch, then formed a single bright vertical line that split in two. And she said they were extremely bright, like an arc on a welder. Mm. They were that sharp. Some people said a welder's torch, but I think what they mean is an arc. Not everybody knows to call it that. They just, you know, they've heard welding torches, but a welding torch is bright. Uh, Arc welding is like brighter than the sun, (laughs) you know, like really bright. Again, um, these same witnesses report seeing two F-16s flew right overhead, chasing the object. And they were at a very low altitude and very, very loud. I think they said that they were screaming overhead or something like that. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of people that were in the area that, that you know, when they describe what they had experienced, they all... And that's the, that's the one thing that really kind of strikes me as, as with this event, as uh, most of these witnesses are very credible because they described the exact same thing. You know, even like, uh, I'm sure you probably took some notes on this, but Constable Leroy there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I mean, everybody is basically explaining the same thing, and, and they're all separated. They're all, like, it, we have this many people explaining the same thing, same experience. That gives to me, it gives me a lot. It gives a lot of credibility to their story because it's not like they're they're you know wishy washy on what they're describing. You know, they're, they're, it's pretty solid. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't nothing. It was something. What was it? We don't know. It actually reminds me of the Illinois uh, two thousand one Illinois triangle because. You had a bunch of different credible witnesses all seeing different, you know, from different perspectives. And some people reported different shapes. Like some people said triangle, some people said rectangle. And it might just be the viewing angle that they saw it from. Perspective, yeah. It's the same thing for this case. Some people said rectangle, some people said triangle. But it could just be the viewing angle. It could be that there were multiple objects. And that's another possibility in the Illinois case, especially if you if you try to in Illinois, if you try to make one flight path from one object, it doesn't really make that much sense. So it makes more sense that there were multiple objects. And the same thing is true here. Based on what the witnesses say and when they said they saw it, it makes sense that there were more than one object around that area at the time. What they were, I don't know. But the Air Force said that there were no F-16s in the area immediately after the event. People were concerned. They were contacting their local law enforcement and the local journalisms and all that stuff. So people were contacting the Air Force as well, trying to figure out what was going on. Were there any F-16s in the area? And the Air Force right away came out and said, nope, no F-16s. You guys are tripping. Initially, that's what they said. Initially, yeah. And, you know, um, the the witnesses that I was just talking about, what are their names again? The... um, the uh, Odoms, I was going to say Odettes, but it's Claudette Odom and her husband, Mike. They said that, uh, I don't know what they're trying to cover up. We saw what we saw. I knew they were fighter jets. And F-16s are very distinct looking. They're easily identifiable. 
So people right away knew that the that the Air Force was lying to them. Everybody saw F-16s. You can't hide the fact that an mm-hmm. F-16 was in the area. They're very loud and very distinct looking. So they knew right away that they were lying. There's a couple more witnesses. Well, there's tons of them, but we won't well, obviously talk about all of them. Yeah, we ain't got the time for that. Yeah. Hundreds upon hundreds of witnesses for this case. But you did mention Leroy Gayton. Leroy, drink him. <laughs> he saw a large triangular red glowing object hovering over the, re- over the road outside of town. And he at one point tried to look at it with binoculars when it was flying away, but it moved so fast that he could not track it with the binoculars. When it was moving slower, he captured it on video. He had a VHS camera. That was a separate incident. That was, those, those are two different incidents. Oh, those are two different incidents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, he caught one of them on camera. And there was also one of those. There was another witness with him who saw it as well. Yeah, his son. Yeah. So why don't you t- tell us about the video? What do you think about that video, ETA? Okay, so the video, he he was on like a, a late night. There was an alarm, that basically alarm alert that he had responded to. And um, after he had gone there to check things out, he had gone back out to his uh, patrol vehicle and um, saw a bright light up in the sky, much like the first time he had saw this bright light. You know, so like him noticing and in, in, uh, identifying what it could potentially be right away, he uh, tried to use his dash cam in his uh, patrol vehicle, which, you know, in, in that day, and he even said it too, it, w- it was recording on VHS. But he also said, he said that like, he had never had any issues with his camera before. It had always recorded things in a, a you know, a good enough way, I suppose you could say. And, um, but I mean, to me, it also is like, all right, well, if it's recording on VHS, how good quality of video can you really expect? You know Not I mean? that good. <laughs> so, but he claims it had always worked just fine. And afterwards, he had gone to digital like a couple of years after that. And, but and, but you know, that was the only time that he claims that the video had never really worked that well. It didn't record, you know, the, the image. But if you're trying to record like an image that's like, you know, high altitude up in the, up in the sky there uh, at nighttime. And, you know, I've seen the video too. And it just looks like, like a, a, a blurb of light. Yeah. It's not, it's not high, high definition. It's not high quality. But, I mean, with the equipment that he had... I wouldn't expect much, yeah. you know? So, I mean, it is what it is. Like, you can see a light in the sky, and there's no clarity to it, really. It just looks like a flashing light. Like, I mean, you can't, there's no discernible features to whatever he's recording. So, I don't know. He he definitely tried to, I mean, he, he, he fidgeted with his dash camera, and he got, like, some footage there. But, I mean, watching the footage and stuff, it's just like, I don't know. There's, there's nothing. I, I'm rather here nor there about about it. You know, it's, it's there's not much to see, really. It's not clear at all, you know? Yeah, but what, what I saw in that footage is it did match his story that when the object was near his, his footage, like, it does show, like, interference in the footage. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's, like, like, like I don't know. The, it looks like the... If anybody's familiar with like VHS footage and stuff, it looks like there was tracking marks and like like it, the video was having trouble tracking or whatever. And uh, I mean, you can you can definitely tell, and that's what he claims also is like something was messing with with uh, the, his equipment. Yeah, and it could just be like magnetic or something. Who knows? Because sure. f- I'm not an expert. From what I understand, the way that you record stuff on tape is basically there's like 
um, like little metal filaments, essentially. Uh, this is, you know, probably a very dumbed down version of it, but mm-hmm. it'll use uh, magnets to ar- arrange those filaments in a particular order, and that's how they store data on there. Uh-huh. So if you have some sort of magnetic interference, that could definitely screw with your recording. Uh, I could be completely wrong about that, but that's my understanding in a nutshell of how like tapes work. But I don't know. I mean, the the footage is very compelling, but like ETA says, could be anything. Could be an airplane. Could be, yeah. could be whatever. But it the interference is interesting to me because it does match his story. Yeah. But that could be recreated easily. That kind of interference, and we're talking about 2008. So I'm kind of surprised that. Uh, VHSs are still out there being used. I was too. I was like, <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. All right. Well, I, I find mean, that surprising. I mean, a lot of police departments or, or you know, law enforcement agencies, like uh, in some ways, they they have they spend money on um, you know new technology, but in other ways, they they will hold on to old technology because they just don't feel it's necessary yet. You know, so I don't know. It, it's a uh, it's one of those things probably where they just had invested in better quality equipment at the time, you know. Yep. And if it works, it works, I guess. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it, like you were saying, uh, stuff in the sky, I think we've talked about this before, but I've tried to record things in the sky several times. Like just recently, we had that, um, the eclipse, right? It was that annular eclipse, I think they call it, where you have like that ring around, you know, the, the moon blocks the sun and you get like a ring shape. We were in the 90% range, so it wasn't a total circle, but it was pretty close. And you could see it with the naked eye, but when I put my, like the the sunglasses, I don't know what you call them, but these really dark shades so you can look at the sun. I just got them on Amazon. I put that over my camera lens and tried to take a picture. The sun looked like it was a circle, not like a crescent. I don't know why it does that, but mm. the... Every time I try to record something in the sky, not UFOs, but just regular things, like let's say I see a satellite or, you know, the sun or the moon or whatever, it never comes out well because our cameras are designed for like selfies, not for recording crap in the sky. Yeah. So it's one of the things where people say, how come there's no good videos of UFOs? Because there's no good cameras for taking videos of UFOs is why. But there actually are good videos and pictures, well, but they're, and they're if, very few and far between. If there are cameras that are, you know, that definitely definitely has the capability of recording a ufo what have you it's not like your average person person that is you know that has the ability to record it has that on hand you know so it's those those type of uh you know cameras or what have you are not readily available to your average individual so yeah it's gonna be people that are it's gonna be few and far between when somebody has that capability of of having a very uh, well-made camera that is uh, designed to take video or pictures at very long distances and, and has it on hand when you have a UFO experience or whatever, you know, or sighting. I think my favorite one that I've seen so far is the Montreal UFO above the Place Bonaventure Hotel in Montreal. Uh-huh. And that's, uh, that picture is actually really good. Uh, by the time the photographer got there, it was getting a little foggy out. But even so, you can see what basically what witnesses were describing. But all right, let's get back to more witnesses for this case. The next one I wanted to talk about was Rick Sorrells. Did you catch this one? He was out hunting? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he was the one that actually was like, he ended up getting bothered by uh, Men in Black, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) He looked through, so he saw the object overhead, about 300 feet overhead, 
and he looked at it through the scope of his rifle and saw that the object appeared to be giving off like a haze, kind of like a heat mirage. This one, I found a, a quote from him, like a direct quote. So I'll go ahead and read that. I really didn't know what to think. I was not scared, so I dropped my gun. And then I really started noticing how big this thing was. I also noticed that it had these round indentations. They were in a grid pattern, all running left to right and front to back. They were all placed about 40 feet apart. They were deep, like maybe four to six feet deep into this craft. It basically looked like a piece of sheet iron that had been pressed. I couldn't see any nuts. <laughs> so it probably wasn't a mail plane. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> uh, no bolts, no rivets, no welds, no seams. I was really studying the structure of this, trying to get an idea about how it was built. It was huge. I've actually been back into the woods and looked. In my mind, I did the football field measurement. I know it was longer than three football fields. That's crazy. That's a, that's a big bitch, right? Mm -hmm. While I was looking at this, it drifted to the right by about 100 feet. And I remember looking to my left to see if I could see the edge of this thing. And I could not see the edge of it. I turned back to my right and I was like, wow, this is crazy. And now I'm rushed with emotion as far as what is it? What is, is it going to do next? Do I need to get out of here? I still haven't formed a conclusion. I really don't know. I hope it's our military. I hope we have something that is this advanced. If it's not ours, we're in trouble. I don't know the capabilities of this thing to move at such a speed that it has and as big as it is. Does it have the capability of weapons? I don't know. But if they can build this, I'd sure hate to see if they got mad at us. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and one of the interesting things about his his experience is he's one of the only people, if not the only people, that I, I heard telling about this kind of spacecraft, uh, describing a similar spacecraft, or especially in this area, where it's broad daylight. Yeah. And, and that's why p some people theorize that that's why he was being messed with by possibly government agents, whatever, threatening him to not talk about what he had seen is because he had seen more detail of, of the, the craft and he was talking about more detail than a lot of people. A lot of people that saw this craft, they they, they were basically just describing bright lights, you know, and, and the movement of those lights and how they would possibly see an outline of a potential craft, but they weren't quite sure. But he saw this thing, you know, uh, like uh, live and direct in broad daylight. And he had also said that he had seen like a, an opening in the craft where he thought he saw a, uh, a prey mantis type creature that, that was in there. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, I mean, he had a lot more detail than most other people. He, he potentially saw a lot more. So that might be why he was being pursued by government agencies that... We're trying to shut him up, basically, you know. Now, is this the guy? Did he say he was thinking about shooting at it, but he decided not yes. to? Yeah. 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 He's like, well, yeah, that might not be a good idea now. Yeah. You know, and the reason why he actually even like, like uh, noticed the aircraft, he probably would have noticed it either way, but he said that like basically the whole, the whole area would have started to be blocked off by sunlight. 
the, the, the craft was blocking off all the sunlight and he noticed like, you know, in the forest and his surroundings, like all the light was starting to be blocked off by this big giant shadow. And that's why he looked up. He was like, huh, what? And he looked up and he saw this craft and he's like, holy shit. What yeah. The, you know? And it was so big, he couldn't even see it. Like it, it went past the trees. So his estimation on size is like yeah. a minimum estimation. Yeah, he couldn't see the whole craft, which yeah. is amazing. That's that's a quite the statement. That's insane. Even a blimp, you'd be able to like a a huge blimp or the spruce goose or whatever. If that was overhead, you'd still be able to see the whole damn thing. You know? Yeah. That's just crazy, man. Yeah, like you said, he was harassed by people in uniform, or sometimes not. Sometimes he would get strange phone calls um, or, you know, other threats. Once one event, he says somebody came to his door and told him to, you know, basically shut his yap and uh, that you'll look crazy if you talk about it, you know, trying to shame him or something. Mm -hmm. He also said that helicopters flew over his property at low altitudes at times, and that had never happened before. And there's no reason why it should. Yeah, and he had like the helicopters or other other uh, planes and stuff would would uh, like basically dive bomb his his cattle and stuff that he had on his property. Yeah, and like he, I guess they were really stressing the cattle out and stuff, and that could that could be something that could you know potentially lead towards uh, you losing livestock. Yeah, or them you know stampeding and running away and injuring themselves yeah. or whatever. Yeah, man, why do you got to mess with the cows? Those cows never hurt nobody. They always seem to get the short end of the stick in these deals. Yeah. (laughs) At least none of them were exsanguinated. (laughs) But there's another one where the man at his door, the man came to his door and he grabbed his gun and the man responded, son, we have the same caliber weapons as you have, but we have more of them. And you need to shut your mouth about what you saw or something like that. (laughs) Or else. (laughs) Yeah. And there's another incident where he saw somebody on his land and he said, I'm trying to decide whether or not to open the door. We're just standing there face to face looking at each other. I'm thinking he's dressed for the elements and the dogs are raising such a ruckus. He must know he's in danger of being caught. That's when I realized he wanted me to see him. Then the man after that left into the woods. So that, I mean, that particular one, it could have just been a looky-loo kind of looking to see what's going on or who knows? Even the guy who's telling him to shut his yap could have been a hoaxer. But your average person, if somebody points a rifle at you, your average person is not going to just stand there and be like, whatever, dude, we got guns too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I think most people would be like, oh, sorry. Okay. I'm leaving now. You sorry. know? My bad. So, I mean, that to me, that screams military because military people would have experience with you know, guns and being behind or, you know, on the wrong side of the barrel, I should say. So maybe keep a cooler head than your average person, you know, Mm -hmm. military, police, you know, these sorts of people who are used to these situations, at least more so than the average person. Now, another interesting fact about this case, I don't know what to make of it, but the trajectory of one of the UFOs was headed right towards President Bush's Crawford, Crawford Ranch. Oh, yeah. Which has a no-fly zone above it. Was I think it's within three miles or something like that of uh, every direction of his home. Yeah, it's supposed to be a no-fly zone. And they called it. What was the nickname like the the White House in the East or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And that's just I don't know what to or the White House of the West. Yeah, there you go. That's that might be it. 
But um, who knows what to make of that? Could be a coincidence. Could be nothing at all. But I don't know, dude. If you were if you were here from somewhere else, you might want to check out the leadership of some of the more powerful countries in the world. And that's you know, I think that I saw that Bush was actually not there at the time. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Could be anything. But that could also explain why they had such a a strong reaction scrambling all those F-16s. Yeah, you know. They're like, oh, shit, where's this thing going? Like, the Air Force is not going to waste time finding out if the president's there or not. Yeah. You know? Well, well I mean, that, that that air restriction was set up to where whether he's there or not. Yeah. That's always uh, something that is in place. You cannot fly in that area no matter if he's there or not. Yeah. So, the Air Force, here's a, here's a quote from the Air Force. Um, no F-16s or other aircraft from this base were in the area the night of January 8th. When most people reported the sightings, uh, but the Air Force offered an um, explanation for this sighting. They said that people saw two passenger airlines crossing paths. <laughs> hmm. I mean, that sounds like what the witnesses are saying here, right? Sure. <laughs> a couple of, I don't know. Do I see passenger airplanes in the night sky all the time, some passing each other, some not. Because, you know, in California, we have a very large population here. You see airplanes up in the sky all the time. I don't know anybody who's ever looked up there and thought, oh, look, big mile-long craft (laughs) flying overhead at 300 feet. Well, yeah, I mean, I I grew up in Southern California as long as you, or as, you know, along with you. And uh, you see constant airplanes in the sky there. You always see their, their, their lights and stuff and... I mean, sometimes I would just like sit there in the backyard and just kind of like like plane watch, you know, because there's mm-hmm. so much traffic. And not once did I ever see anything even close to what these people were describing. Yeah, there's there's always, it's not quite as busy where I live here in Santa Rosa, but where we used to live in Southern California, there's so much air traffic that it's there's constant. always a plane in the sky, at yeah. least one, usually multiple, all of the time. There's, there's, you never look up and don't see a plane. There's always something there and you hear them that, you know, they're very loud, even at altitude, you just kind of tune it out. At some point you don't even realize they're there anymore. But I mean, nobody, even when you'd see a squadron of a long Yeezys flying out of Brackett airfield or wherever the hell you'd see them flying a V formation, these weird looking airplanes. Nobody even looked at those things and said, UFO, you know, it just, whatever, dude, they're airplanes. People recognize them as such. But all right, so the Air Force, um, at very quickly thereafter, from what I could tell, like maybe a couple weeks ever, uh, ever a couple weeks later, the Air Force said that, whoops, we were wrong. There was some kind of internal communication error, and it turns out that we actually had not zero, but 10 F-16s in the area. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a <laughs> strange change of direction there. But it might have something to do with all of the FOIA requests being filed for FAA radar data, which was eventually released. And MUFON did a report called Special Research Report, Stephenville, Texas. And you can find this report online. It's like 70 pages, give or take. The radar data is there. You can look through it if you know how to decipher that kind of a thing. But... According to the MUFON report, the radar data confirms the hundreds of witnesses that saw something. When you look at the radar data, the radar says, yes, there was something there where they said they saw something. And even the timeline between the different uh, witnesses and stuff, it, it 
actually gives them more credibility. Yeah. And it also shows, the radar data shows the 10 F-16s flying around, which is probably why the military was willing to come out and say, yep, we were there. Just kidding. haha," <laughs> Because they knew it was going to come out sooner or later anyways that they were there. And the radar data shows at a couple of points in time that the crafts were moving at just about 2,000 miles an hour. And we do so we do have crafts that can move that fast. We do have things that can go that fast or faster, but nothing that big. And even the stuff we have that's that fast, like let's say the SR-71, cannot go that fast at such a low altitude because it would melt. Yeah. It has, it can only... Friction. Yeah. It can only go that fast up in the very, very top end of the atmosphere where there's almost no air at all. And even then, at those speeds, the skin of the aircraft is so hot that it expands massively and they had to design for that. We talked about this in a previous episode, but it's just, it heats it up to where it's red hot and they had to design for that even when there's basically no air at all. So at 2,000 miles an hour at 300 feet, it's just not possible with our technology, at least not that I'm aware of. Yep. Nothing goes that fast at that low of an altitude. So that was really cool that we have actual radar proof, which radar data to me, I think is even better than photographic evidence because that is, it's conclusive. It's unarguable. There was an object in that place at that time traveling at that speed the radar data proves it. What it was, I don't know, but those people are not lying about the fact that they saw something. Yeah. Well, that's information that they got from the FAA, right? Yeah. It's not something that they fabricated themselves. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So, well, but what I mean is like, if you see like a video or like a camcorder footage or a video or a picture, that can be deceiving. You can have optical illusions. You can have something that looks weird in the camera. You can have, there's things like forced perspective and all this other stuff that can make things look different than they really are. But radar data is radar data. It's pretty good data. There are, there's the possibility that radar data can be not 100%, but it's usually pretty good. (laughs) All right. Aging ETA is giving me crude gestures. He'll be back in a moment. So let's let's I'll pause. I'll wait for you to get back. I'll hit the I'll hit the flag. All right, let's get back to the case. There are a handful of skeptical explanations, such as aerial flares, training exercises, and secret military craft. Of those three, the only one that really makes sense is some sort of secret military craft. But even that, I don't know that our military has something that's a mile long that can go 2,000 miles an hour at a low altitude. Well, and also like th- those uh, those those fighter jets that were falling at the F-16s, was it, right? Yeah. The only reason why I could see them following that vehicle, that aircraft, whatever you want to call it, is maybe they were escorting it. But why would they need to escort it? If it's so high level of technology, it would need an escort. Especially over our own land. Yeah. Also, they don't tend to test things or fly secret things over populated areas because yeah. that would be stupid. It's a secret aircraft. After yeah. All. They, you wouldn't just fly it over. I don't know. It's, it's silly. But also, what witnesses, witnesses did not describe an escort activity. They described what would be consistent with jets scrambled to chase something. Yeah. Because if it was an escort, they would be flying alongside it. 
none of them were flying alongside it. They were chasing it. Yep. yep. With afterburners and stuff. So, you know, well, a lot of witnesses described it like it was moving slowly, hovering around, kind of chilling. They're probably up there flipping some burgers. And then the F-16s approach, and that's when the object shoots off at a, an incredibly fast speed. Mm-hmm. And then the, the F-16s follow, you know, shortly thereafter, as if it's running from the F-16s. Also, I, I don't think we mentioned, but the object, whether or not it was going fast or slow, people said it was silent. And there, there ain't nothing we got that can go 2,000 miles an hour silently. I mean, you could say that it was some sort of, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes where the government has, you know, plans and tried to develop a big giant dirigible to transport like an entire battalion at a time or something. But if, I mean, that thing's not going fast. That thing's probably barely scooting along at 50 miles an hour. If that, you know, mm-hmm. we're not talking about something that's going to be going three times the speed of sound, Yep. you know, so that explanation seems, you know, maybe, but I'm not buying it necessarily. Yeah, not plausible. Yeah. Not from what I've seen, you know, but what do I know? Yeah, for sure. So a lot of people, they just don't believe, even journalists or whoever who normally laugh at UFOs, for this case, people don't believe what the UFO is telling them at all because they keep coming out with these bizarre stories. But yeah, so that's the basic story, some of the more prominent witnesses, and that's pretty much all I have on it. Uh, My thoughts are, something weird going on in Stephenville. (laughs) What do you think, ETA? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, with this case, there's enough people, enough credible people that initially came out and then started the domino effect of more and more witnesses coming out to state what they had experienced. This is one of those cases where something happened. Something that I I can't tell you, I I don't know exactly what happened, but I think it's one of those more plausible cases where like all these witnesses, they definitely saw something. And um, I would lean towards a potential UFO uh, experience there, you know? Yeah. It's by the way that they describe their experience, what they describe. Yeah, well, it was definitely real. They definitely saw something. Yeah. There's too many independent witnesses. There's too much proof in the form of like radar data. There are photographs and videos that were taken, but the cameras used were, from what I found, were not great quality, so they're not necessarily convincing. But there's just too much to this case for it to all be made up. Yeah. What it was... Anybody's guess, who knows? But it's still a really compelling case. You know, some people say, or no, how do, what do they do? Could we say that this was an alien craft over Stephenville? Yes, we could say that. <laughs> Give you the the ancient aliens treatment there. Yeah. No, or it would go, I'm not trying to say that this was aliens over Stephenville. Yeah. What I am saying is it was aliens. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> With the hair, you got to put your you put your fingers above your head when you when you say it. Yeah, even though this is audio audio only podcast, it's still you know. But all right, well, I think that's pretty much all we got for you this time. So thank you everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can really help us out by giving us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts and suggesting the show to your friends. Can I get a keep it strange, Agent ETA? Keep it strange. <laughs>